Amen. Who's ready for the word this morning? Open up your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 3 today. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, as you're turning, I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness with your tithes and your offering and your giving. You're allowing us to do some incredible things. Thank you so much for those of you who've been praying about, those of you who have already turned in your Build a Legacy card. Uh, we, for a whole year, we are giving toward our next. Uh, we're giving toward to help us build a legacy, whatever God has next. When that door opens, I want us to be able to walk through it. Amen. So uh, for those of you who have been praying about it, uh, whenever that time comes, we're, uh, it starts in October, goes through September of next year. Take a moment, get a card in the foyer, take a moment, pray about it, fill it out, uh, and you can just, on a Sunday, you can drop it in the bucket uh, with our ushers as you leave. Uh, and I believe that uh, when, your, uh, when your generosity meets God's faithfulness, a door's about to be open, and I'm so excited. I want you to be a part of that, so be sure you're in prayer about that. Exodus chapter 3 today, verse 1 through 6. Last week I spoke on close to the fire. This week I'm doing part 2 of being close to the fire, the church. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 says that now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse 3, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that, the, uh, that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Go back to verse 2 this morning. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. This morning, I want to start right there today because it's time for the church, not just to be a church, but it's time for the church to be on fire. I said, it's time for the church, you, I, me, us. It's time for us to be on fire. And as everything in culture seems to be going down in flames, it's time for the church to rise up in flames. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today. And I pray, Lord, that right now, Lord, that anything that may be fighting for our attention, Lord, let those things cease. Anything that may be fighting for our attention, Lord, we just lay those things down. That big project we've got coming up this week, that important conversation that we have, Lord, right now, we just lay those things at your feet and we just fix our eyes on your face. We tune in our ear to your voice and we just say, speak, for your servant is listening today. We give you honor and glory. Praise. And the church said amen. amen. 
amen and amen. In the church today and even in the world, all across the world, there are so many people wondering who they are and they're trying to figure out their identity and why they exist. Some people will die not knowing why they were created. It's a sad thing, but adults walk around all the time wondering, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? We are seeing a record number of suicides. Suicide rates uh, are up at an all-time. The number of people being medicated for depression and anxiety is huge. The, the, the level of anxiety just keeps spreading all across the land. And sometimes it feels like, Lord, how much longer are you going to wait until the trumpet sounds? Has anybody ever said that? And after uh, a large, and, and a large reason why so many people uh, are facing these things is the simple fact that they do not know who they are. They don't know who they belong to or why they were created. And in this society that we live in, we are always asking about the what. What is next for me? What career? Uh, what school should I choose? What, what, what? And while society is always asking about the what, so often people never ask about the why. Why do you have me here? I know uh, what it is, but what, what, what am, uh, why am I here? And what am I supposed to be doing with this what? And before the church can rise up to the occasion today, before the church can be set on fire, before the church can rise up in flames this morning, we must know who we are and why we exist. Amen? Because even in your mother's womb, the Word said that He knew you. And what God knows, He has purpose for. So that means that even in your mother's womb, before your parents even saw your face, guess what? You had purpose. Before you had an earthly name, you had a heavenly purpose and while God has given us purpose so sadly there's so many even in this room that's wondering what am I supposed to be doing and we find ourselves in life trying to shake the questions trying to shake the doubt the lack of faith we find ourselves trying to shake these things and like I said last week if you're going to shake it be sure you shake it around the fire because if you get around the fire and if you ever get around the fire and you know your purpose you've got everything that you need to keep moving forward despite the circumstance amen whenever you know your purpose you can stand up and say no weapon formed against me is going to prosper because I know why I am here and I know what I am doing amen and in this day and time you've got to know who you are and what you believe it's so important to know who you are because whenever you know who you are you also know who you are not amen I know it's good to know who you are but sometimes I think it's even better to know who you are not because it's important to know who you are because whenever you know who you are, you know who you are not. And some of you this morning, the reason why you, uh, you, it's, you, know, you can't get along with everybody, you complain about everything, you gossip about everybody, you fight with everyone that you come in contact with. A lot of times those people, those people are the ones who do not know who they are. And a problem that we see in the church as 
that we spend so much time trying to discern things about other people, that we, uh, we spend so much time, more time trying to discern what's wrong with other people than we spend trying to discover and develop our own selves. So we know everything that's wrong with our neighbor and we feel like we are all good. We know all of our neighbor's faults, but we feel like we have no weaknesses of our own. That, my friend, that, that, that's when you need to mind your own business. Look at your neighbor and say, mind your own business this morning. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm talking to you too. I'm talking. To, I don't want to leave you out. Just mind your own business. Because do you realize that with everything that God has planned for you, if you realize just how much God had planned for you, you would not have time to put your nose in somebody else's business. If you realize just how much God has poured into you, you would spend so much time trying to cultivate it that you would not have time to put your nose in somebody else's business. Can I get an amen this morning? Ah. We're in such a time when people are just trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing? And, and, and in that moment, they, 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 they get confused and they get frustrated. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And, but, but no matter what, you've got to know who you, are, who you are and who you are not. Because guess what? There's always more to you than you know. God's got more for you than you know. God's got plans that you don't know. I know you may live with a know-it-all, but they don't know everything. Look at your neighbor say, there's more to you than you know. I don't care if you're 20, I don't care if you're 40, I don't care if you're 70, I don't care if you went to five colleges and if you've got a doctorate, I don't care if you've been through all types of trials to prove yourself, there is still more to you than you really know because there's some things that the word says that God has hid on the inside of you. The Bible says that he puts treasure in earthen vessels. That means whenever you stop digging, you actually stop discovering who you are but I feel like I'm in a room with some people this morning who says I'm not satisfied where I am and I'm making up my mind this morning that I'm going to dig every gift that he has for me I'm going to cultivate every anointing that he has for me I'm not going to stop digging until I see it anybody there I'm going to dig every blessing I'm going to dig up every drop of oil why because I know God's got something for me when you know who you are, you know who you are not. And when you know who you are and who you are not, it makes it easier to make decisions. Because when I see something walking toward me that I am not, I can say no just like that. When I see an opportunity coming to me that I know that's not where I, no, I can say no just like that. Your circle changes when you know who you are not. Because if you are part of my purpose, or if you are not part of my purpose, I can love you, but I can't hang with you. If you're not going where I'm going, I can still like you, but I can't hang with you. Because when you know who you are not, your circle begins to reflect who you really are. And a lot of us find it hard to make decisions because 
a purpose. Let me tell you, if there was ever a moment when God's people needs to be living on mission and vision, it is right now. You've got to know who you are in this hour because if you don't know who you are, the world will tell you who you are. If you don't know who you are, Hollywood will tell you who you are. If you don't know who you are, Dr. Phil will tell you who you are. If you don't know who you are, whatever song you are listening to will tell you who you are. And when you don't know who you are, you start believing anything that somebody whispers into your ear. Because there's some people now where they don't like to think. Can I get an amen? They don't like to think about anything. Any of y'all work with those people? Like, can you just think about something? Something. Give me one good thought, I'll give you a dollar. I just want one. We don't like to think. We want somebody to do it for us. We don't like to think. We just want to feel it. And so often, the reason we can't work it out is because we don't think about it long enough because there's some people that have made their faith all about the experience. It's how I feel. I'll praise you if I feel like it. Sing that song because it makes me feel good. Do that because it makes me feel good. How did it make us feel? But how many of you know that we did not come to church this morning to feel, but we've come to encounter his presence. And when God encounters you, sometimes he will encounter your physical body. That's when you begin to clap and sing and dance and jump. But sometimes he comes not to make you dance or jump or shout. Sometimes he comes just to encounter your mind because he needs you to be transformed. You are not transformed when you clap. You are not transformed when you dance. The word says you are transformed by the renewing of the mind. And some of you, your next breakthrough is not going to come through the next worship hit. Some of you are waiting for me to preach something to give you a breakthrough. But some of you really need to understand that your breakthrough is just changing your mind. And as soon as you change your mindset, there's a breakthrough following. Renew the mind. You need purpose. But how do I discover my purpose, Pastor? You need to get this because where God gives purpose, he always gives passion. What are you passionate about? There's some things you get excited about and some things you're like, I can't stand. There's sometimes when it's your turn, you get excited. And then other times when it's your turn, you're like, Lord, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do it. Paul said, this one thing I do. When you look at Paul's beginning of ministry, it's almost like he's saying, Lord, what can I do? But all of a sudden, Paul begins to grow, and he finds his passion. He finds his purpose. He gets in the groove, as we call it. And now he's saying, it's not what can I do, but this one thing that I do. That's what you need to be praying for when you wake up today. God, I may cannot do a lot, but what's the one thing you want me to do today? What's the one person you want me to speak to today? What's the one thing that you're anointing my head with oil for today? 
That's what you've been trying to discover. What's the one thing I was made to do? Lord, the one thing you were anointed me to do. And the anointing is attracted to purpose because whenever you find your purpose, God will always give you anointing. To discover your purpose, you not only need to know your passion, but you can't discover your purpose without a problem. You'll never find purpose running from problems. Is it possible that God only lets you see what you're called to solve? That God will allow you to see some things to get you to work toward the thing. Is this why Jesus never had Pharisees on his team? Why? Because Pharisees were good problem seers. They could see all the problems. If you wanted to know what sister so-and-so's faults were, you would call up a Pharisee. Anybody work with a Pharisee? They know all the dirt. They know everything wrong with everybody. Am I the only people, only person that knows a Pharisee? If you don't know a Pharisee, you're probably the Pharisee. <laughs> I mean, here they are and they know everything that's wrong with every person. It's too hot or it's too, or it's too cold. It's never right. It's too dark or it's too bright. It's never right. Anybody know these people? It's too loud or it's too soft. It sounds like some church people that I have ministered to along the 20 years of ministry. See, the call to those that Jesus was looking for, they could not be Pharisees because all they were were problem seers. But the disciples that he called, they were people like doctors and, and fishermen and tax collectors. What, what is the difference between a Pharisee and a disciple? The difference is that one sees the problem, but the other solves the problem that they are seeing because when you start not only seeing but you have a desire to also to solve it you start finding your purpose you not only need passion you not only need some problems but before you can get to your why the thing that he not only saved you from but saved you for you need preparation Preparation. It's easy to shout over purpose. Purpose in the book category is one of the most sold categories of books. People trying to find out what they're made to do. Purpose. We can shout over purpose. There's been best-selling books about purpose. You can take classes about your purpose. But no matter what, whenever you find your purpose, there must be a season of preparation. Because if you can do it quickly and you can do it alone, it's not of God. God will never give you a task that you can do by yourself. Why? Because he didn't create you to be alone. The family, the vine, He's never going to give you an, a task that you can do alone. 
And it's so ugly to watch somebody that is so full of purpose, yet they're not prepared. It's like watching Alabama. It's so rough watching. Whenever you know they know what to do, but they're just off. It's so, it's so ugly to watch something that has so much purpose, yet they are not prepared. And in our culture today, we're no longer singing songs like, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. No, we're singing, Bless me, bless me, bless me, God, indeed. Why? Why? Why do we do that? Because we don't like the preparation. We want the feel. We want the reward. We want what he saved us for right now. But you need to get this because purpose is a curse for the unprepared. Purpose is a curse for the unprepared. If I were to get up here and not be prepared, what could have been a blessing would turn into a curse without preparation. And some of you are in, some of you are in your purpose, but you keep wondering, why do I, why, why does it keep failing? If this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing, why does it never prosper? I don't know, I, I know this is my purpose, but why does it just keep turning into a curse? It may be because you are not prepared. If you want to know and live in your purpose, you need preparation. And I say all of that to open this text this morning. Because we see Moses in a season of preparation. Moses is here, a man with purpose. He's got some passion. And now God is speaking for preparation and God looks at him, and God knows. He speaks to him about preparation and lets him know, I've got to get you out of Egypt before I can prepare you. And here is Moses, not on the front side, but here's this man named Moses on the back side of the desert. It was dry. It was lonely. Nobody wants to be on the backside. If you're going to be in the desert, you want to be on the front side. That's where other people are. That's where the stage is at. That's where you can be seen. Nobody wants to be on the backside. But through divine plans, Moses is led and gets put on the backside. And it just happens the way that God works. That on the back side of the desert, the place that nobody really wanted to go, there is Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. Isn't it amazing that the places that I don't want to be are always the places where I experience God the most? He looks up and sees a mountain of his presence. There are some things that you will never see in God. There are some characteristics of God that you've heard about that you will never see until you are on the backside of life. Amen? Because in this world, 
You will have trouble. In this world, you will find yourself on the backside. There are some things that you will never see in your life. There are some things you will never see in your marriage. There are some things you will never see in your house unless you allow God to get you on the backside of life. And we watch as Moses takes time in preparation. I found this interesting because while studying Theologians believe that at this point in his life, Moses was 40 years old. To us, 40 is the prime of life. It's when you're supposed to have it all together. The prime. You've got a job, you've had the kids, you're going straight forward. The prime. You're, you're, you're moving wide open. In your prime you are supposed to be in prime time. I mean, you are moving. You are, you are going forward. You know what you were called to do. Who would want to give up their prime for preparation? But what we think is prime isn't prime to God unless you are right where he wants you to be. Prime isn't prime unless God is in it. But if you ever let God get in your life and you give him your prime to prepare you, God will say, just watch what I can do to you. Just watch. He will, if, if you ever give your prime time to God, he will say, who said 40 is prime? He will say, watch me let you live 120 years when everybody else is dying at 80. He will say, watch me let you excel when everybody else is retiring. They may think you're a late bloomer, but just watch me make something great out of you. I don't know who you are today, but I want to tell every person that's here this morning, you may be waiting on your prime. You may think that your prime is over, but the devil is a liar because you are about to see what prime looks like when you give everything to God. And God puts him on the backside and the prime turns into preparation. He's out there with the sheep. That don't sound like prime. Some of you, you wouldn't like it if you were following sheep around all day. Can I get an amen? Cleaning up sheep poop. <laughs> this is prime? No, it's preparation. Because whatever God lets you practice on, he'll let you perform on. Because right now, you're over here herding the sheep. But through preparation, he'll let you herd his people. Over his practice, you're over here and you're fishers of men. But through time and preparation, you're a fisherman. But over here, if you let him prepare you, he'll make you a fisher of all men. Because whatever he lets you practice on, He'll let you perform with later in life. And just like a good coach, if you were not at practice, you're not playing the game. At this time, here is this man, Moses, being raised in the Egyptian lifestyle and culture. The Egyptian way is in his thoughts and his belief. He's really not found Jesus yet. He's really not had an encounter yet. But yet still, he's out there being prepared. And today, God, as I'm in here speaking, 
as the Spirit is in here speaking, at the same time, God is out there preparing people to be called. And you thought this whole time that this message was about Moses. But as I wrap this thing up today, this message really is not about Moses at all. Because what you may not understand is that while I'm preaching this message about calling and purpose, God is moving out there and he's finding a person that feels like they're on the backside of a desert. While you're in here being prepared, God's out there speaking to a generation that feels like they're on the backside of a desert and he's calling the next generation of Moses forward. Are you following me? He's in a restaurant. We're in here. The Spirit is in a restaurant right now whispering in somebody's ear. We're in here being prepared and the Spirit is at a lake somewhere and He's calling them and He's wooing them in. He's not only in here moving us, but He's also out there moving them. He's speaking to someone right now, not only in here, but I'm talking about out there. He's reminding them that you need something and I'm that thing. He's reminding them that they were actually created for so much more. See, don't think you're the Moses in this story. Because Moses is out there on Broad Street. Moses is out there still in bed somewhere. So who are you? While God was out there preparing Moses, he had already prepared a bush to get the attention of a future leader. Because to every person that he's preparing, God goes ahead of it and finds someone that is prepared to help those that he's preparing. Aren't you thankful that God put those people in your life that was prepared to help you as God was preparing? So in this story today, you're not Moses, you're a bush. You're a bush, you're a bush, you're a bush, you're a bush, I'm a bush, legacy's a bush. You are the one that God's been looking for to get the attention of a generation. You thought this was about Moses. I got you. I led you all the way here to get you to say, yeah, you're a bush. You're not Moses in this story today, hon. Sweetie, you're not Moses today. You're a bush. You are a bush. You are the one that God has been searching for to get the attention of what he's preparing out there. We, Legacy Church, we are a bush to get the attention of a generation of Moses that he's preparing out there. And I still don't know if you're getting this or not. God has been looking for somebody to use in the schools. God is looking for you, somebody, a bush to use in the marketplace. He's looking for somebody to use in every nook and cranny and environment. Is there anybody 
in the room this morning that will say, God, you can use me. I will be the bush in the school system. Lord, I'm going to Publix on Wednesday. I'll be the bush in the middle of Publix. God, if you're looking for somebody to use in my office space, Lord, you can use me. So God looks and he sees a bush that says, yes. And I can just imagine God getting this bush, knowing that a generation is coming, knowing that a man is coming that is about to change trajectory. I can imagine him having a conversation with this plant, this bush, saying, I'm going to plant you right here. And that bush looked up and said, on the backside. You need to understand where you are planted is not an accident. It may not be where you want to be right now. But if you would just let him, God will use you right there. God plants that bush exactly in the right place for a time such as this. And he tells, I can just see him telling that bush, this is all my translation here. I'm planning you here. This is your purpose. They're like, really? Just to sit out here in a desert? He said, no. Because guess what? I'm about to do something to you that you've never seen. He's like, what? He's asking, what's the what? He said, I'm about to do something in you that when that generation looks at you, they will see something they've never seen. God is about to find some people this morning that he can just sit himself down on. I say, God's about to find some people that want his will to be done over their will. He's about to find some people in Legacy Church this morning that wants to see the kingdom come down in Rome, Georgia. God is looking for a people, a church that will say, Lord, let me see Moses like you saw Moses. Let me see the next generation like you see them. God, just use me. The bush says, okay, yes. And God said, I'm about to get myself in you. I'm just not going to be around you, but you're going to be a bush with me inside of you. And I'm going to do something in Rome, Georgia, that Rome, Georgia has never seen. I'm going to do something in your region through you, Bush, that your region, Northwest Georgia, has never seen. And I can just see that Bush leaning over, and here comes Moses. And that Bush sees him coming. Can you imagine that Bush thinking, this is it. This is my purpose. My purpose is walking toward me now. Now is the time what I've been being prepared for. And God said, now that you're ready, now that you could, I'm about to set you on fire. Yeah. 
about to do something no one's ever seen. A bush on fire. If it was any other bush, he'd have walked right by it. If it was any other dead church, this generation would walk right by it. But he wants to set a church on fire. Because how many of you know we didn't come here today We don't come to church to hear cute sermons. We don't come here today so we can get our little feel and go back out the way that we were. No, we came here today to be ignited, to be set on fire. The church was created to be a meeting place of those that were saved. And they came together and they were set on fire on fire and they left and the bush was the one saving the souls not the pastor you come to church to be set on fire for the week we come to burn and God if there's anything in our life that needs to be set on fire God do it today God set me on fire with passion God set me on fire with purpose God set me on fire with vision for the kingdom God set us on fire with the Holy Ghost God set us on fire Lord so we can catch a generation of what you're preparing out there come on stand up on your feet this morning band help me out The purpose, the responsibility of that bush was simple. Just let God burn. You don't know your purpose? Let me tell you. Let God burn. Let God burn. The problem is, that a lot of churches have lost their flame. And generations keep walking by. There's nothing different there. Nothing different there. But God is looking for a church that he can set on fire. God wants this house to be a house on fire. I said, God wants Legacy Church to be a church that has been set on fire by His Spirit. I said, God wants Legacy Church to be a church that is set on fire because God wants our fire to distract the world from the flames of hell. You are the burning bush today. You thought you were going to be Moses. You said, well, that sounds kind of like a demotion, Pastor. No, that's a promotion. Because you're not just a bush. You've not been called just to be a bush. We have not been called just to be a bush. You, I, 
we, the church, has been called to be a bush on fire. So when that generation that he's whispering to today comes to you, they see something they've never seen before. A bush on fire. They see something in you that they cannot see in Hollywood. They hear something from you that they cannot get from meth. They see the fire of God. And where there's fire, there's refining. And all of a sudden, guess what? This is such a responsibility because burning bushes are the ones that God is using in the last day. And just like this burning bush in Exodus, you are about to be the people that God is speaking out of. Saying, take off your sandals. Take off your sins. Take off your homosexuality. Take off that dirty mindset. Take off your addiction. Take off your past. And why God's calling you to a holy place. God wants to use you, the church, to speak from. So when they see you, they don't just see another bush. They see fire. 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 Not just a bush. There's enough bushes in our city. There's enough bushes in America. God's looking for a church to be a burning bush. Because there's a generation of world changers that God is speaking to. And if we don't let him have our prime to prepare us right now, when the time comes, they will walk right past the church and into secular lifestyles because the church had nothing for them. I don't know about you, but I hope when somebody talks about Legacy Church, I hope they talk about the fire. They don't have to talk about the preacher, but I hope they talk about the fire. They don't have to talk about our decor, our logo, the lights, but I hope they say it's a place of fire because the fire gets people's attention. Come on right where you are. Can you just raise your hands with me right now? Come on right where you are. Can you just close your eyes and say, Lord, set me on fire today. Lord, set me on fire today. Lord, whatever you can do, Lord, set me on fire, Lord.